Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. If you feel like fitness is a mystery, or maybe you have been dedicated to working out but aren't getting the results you want, pull up a chair, grab your headphones, let's chat. Welcome to Balance Black Girl. My name is Les. I'm your host, as well as a certified personal trainer and 200-hour yoga teacher, and I'm so glad you're here. Now, I will say, if there's anything I don't mess with or promote is diet culture or weight loss. I'm just not particularly interested in spreading that message. I believe all bodies are different, that health is possible at every size. I think weight loss can be something that's incredibly personal. And so if people want to do it, that is totally fine. It's just not something that I'm going to explicitly promote. And frankly, I'm more interested in longevity than feeling like we should all shrink ourselves for reasons that are rooted in patriarchy. And I wanted to give that introduction because today's episode is going to be focused on physical wellness. Now here on the show, we discuss wellness from all angles, the physical, emotional, financial, spiritual, and sometimes the physical can be the trickiest of all because there's often so much baggage and so many experiences and feelings we've all had about our bodies that naturally come up when we're talking about moving and feeding our bodies in certain ways. So it's truly my intention for this to be a body neutral space, and that is the angle we're coming from today. So at the time that I'm releasing this episode, it is January. We are in the midst of our Reframing the Reset series and challenge, and we will talk about this week's challenge later in the episode. But naturally, this time of year is when we tend to see a renewed interest and increased energy around fitness and exercise. And I actually think that's wonderful. I want more people to be interested in movement. I want people to stick with it all year long. So if it's the new year that gets people interested, then by all means, like let's lean into that. Movement has changed my life in so many ways. If I wouldn't have embarked on my fitness journey in my early 20s, I can say without a doubt that I would not be sitting here hosting this podcast right now. I would not have the career I have. I would not have the mindset I have. And I certainly would not have had the confidence that I've gained to pursue so many of the things that I've pursued. When I started getting really into fitness and felt how with the physical strength I gained, I also started gaining emotional strength. I became more willing to take risks. I started believing in myself more. I just wanted more of us to feel that way, which is why I became a trainer 10 years ago. And though I no longer actively train people, fitness is still a really big part of who I am and my development. 
So if it's on your heart to get intentional about moving and to start moving for longevity, moving as an act of kindness to your current and future self, then this episode is for you. Now, I do think that many of us have been conditioned to believe that fitness and movement has likely done more damage than good. Being a millennial and coming of age in the 99s and the 2000s, it was a wild time where body dysmorphia was running rampant, as was diet culture. So much to the point where we were constantly encouraged to shrink down and fit these molds. The commentary on people's bodies, women's bodies in particular, was just everywhere. And it was so often cruel and unnecessary. And it was a really, really challenging time to grow up and to feel neutral or positive about your body. And this was so much to the point where we were encouraged to constantly shrink down and fit these molds and ideals that exercise was something we did to shrink ourselves down or that it was punishment for what we ate. And many of us, particularly in my age group and older, we weren't actually taught what exercise and movement are and why they are important. We didn't actually learn why our bodies need it and what is actually happening to our bodies when we exercise. And I think that when we understand how things work, we can make informed decisions for our health. So I want to walk through a little fitness 101. I want to talk about the main types of movement and types of training and what their benefits are so that you can choose what movement you want to partake in based on what you need. So first we have cardiovascular or aerobic exercise, commonly referred to as cardio. So the word aerobic means in the presence of oxygen. So think of this as movement that can cause you to lose your breath when you're getting into it because it relies on your body's ability to use oxygen to keep going. Shout out to Destiny's Child makes us lose our breath. Cardio is important for keeping your heart and lungs healthy. It reduces risk of heart attack and high blood pressure. We all know that heart disease is nothing to play with because it has been the leading cause of death, particularly here in the U.S. for so long. We all probably know someone who has been impacted by heart issues. I know I've lost both of my grandmothers to heart issues. So heart health is incredibly important to prioritize and to understand. Your heart is an organ and it's also a muscle. So cardio is like strength training for your heart. It's exercise that you do to keep your heart strong and pumping efficiently. So when you're doing exercise that gets your heart rate up, you're training your heart to get stronger. And over time, your heart doesn't have to work as hard to do everyday activities. And when your heart does work hard to do these activities, it's able to recover faster. And that's what we want. We want our hearts to be strong and resilient. And for women, our heart health is especially important throughout our lifespan, but particularly during our reproductive years. During pregnancy, your blood volume increases by almost 50%, which means your heart is working a lot harder to circulate all that blood through your body to keep you and any babies healthy. So if you already have a strong heart pre-pregnancy, it's going to be more prepared for the work it needs to do. In addition to supporting your heart health, cardio also helps expand your lung capacity, which we have all been living with this respiratory virus for three years now. So we want and frankly need healthy lungs. 
In addition to keeping your heart and lungs healthy, cardio is also really helpful for lowering stress. So how much cardio should we be doing? So physical activity guidelines recommend 150 minutes of moderate aerobic exercise for adults each week that can be broken up any kind of way. So some examples of cardio can include biking or spin, running, walking, hiking, stairs, dancing, swimming, again, really anything that gets your body moving and that can slightly elevate your heart rate. Now, honestly, up until I was about 21, I genuinely thought cardio was the only type of working out that existed. I truly thought you either needed to run, you needed to be on the elliptical, or maybe play a sport. And that was just it. That was how you exercised. Those were the options. I had practiced yoga, but in my mind, yoga was stretching and that was totally different, which we'll talk about a little bit later. But the only working out I'd really ever done in my teens and up until I was about 20 was either being on a treadmill or being on the elliptical or maybe taking the occasional aerobics class. Like I remember in the 90s, my mom used to take water aerobics classes while I was taking swimming lessons. And so that that was like what exercise was in my mind. And for a lot of women in particular, we tend to get stuck on cardio and have very cardio-heavy routines. And I think it's because of the emphasis diet culture has placed on calories, because cardio is a really great way to burn calories. And if someone is moving purely to burn calories, then that tracks. It it makes sense to do a lot of cardio. (laughs) The math is mathing. But for overall well-being, focusing only on cardio is actually not going to give us a well-rounded protocol. So in addition to our aiming for 150 minutes of of cardio, maybe 30 minutes of cardio three, five days a week, right? That could be a 30 minute walk five days a week. What else should we be doing? So the next type of movement or training we're going to cover uh, is mobility. And I kind of group mobility and flexibility together because they're kind of two sides of a similar coin. I think of them as being related. So mobility is essentially our body awareness and ability to move throughout a range of motion, right? Like motion ability, mobility. It's how well we can control the movements of our joints. Now, flexibility involves the lengthening of our muscles and how well we can strengthen the length of our tissues to move through a range of motion. So the two really work together to be able to help us move in a healthy, efficient way. Now, both are very important and both tend to decline as we age because the older we get, the more stiff we tend to get, which makes us more susceptible to injury. And when we aren't able to safely move through a range of motion, our bodies often have to compensate in other ways, which is why when a lot of people reach their 30s, all of a sudden their low back starts to hurt or their knees start to hurt. If people are experiencing these conditions, but they don't have an injury or a medical condition that's causing this discomfort, it's often a sign of a lack of mobility and or flexibility. So we can overcome this. It just means that the older we get, the more intentional we have to be about staying mobile and flexible. Because for most people, when you're young, it's pretty easy to move through a range of motion. Have you ever seen a baby pick up something off the floor? They bend down, have the most perfect squat form. They're like so mobile and they just move perfectly. And at one time, most of us were like that. But the older we get, not only do we naturally get stiff as we age, but our lifestyles don't help, 
we sit all day at school, we sit all day at work. And so that doesn't necessarily help things. It actually tends to speed up that natural stiffening that happens as we age. So in order to combat that, we have to be super intentional about giving our bodies mobility and flexibility practice. Now, I also want to be careful not to promote being hypermobile or hyperflexible because for some people, that's also a thing where it's very easy for them to move and they can hyperextend a joint or way overdo it on a muscle and can also cause injury. So we're really looking for a place of balance, all right? It's that balance. We are balanced black girls and friends. So we're looking for balance within the joints and the muscles so that we can safely move through a range of motion, not too far, but so that we're not too restricted. It's it's that homeostasis we're looking for. So for flexibility training, yoga and stretching are great ways to train your muscles to be able to lengthen through a movement. And it can also vary depending on the type of yoga you do. So vinyasa yoga uh, is a type of yoga where you are moving with your breath. So with it, each inhale and each exhale, you're kind of flowing through a different movement, and that's going to be really helpful for overall fluidity. That can also sometimes count as cardio because honey, them sun salutations, (laughs) they will get your heart pumping when you flow from one pose to the next. However, a style like yin yoga, where you are holding a pose, you are truly sitting, holding that pose or holding that stretch for three to five minutes is really going to help you get into that muscle and slowly relax and lengthen the muscle for a deeper range of motion. So different styles can be good for different things depending on what your body needs. I'm someone who is not naturally flexible. I struggle with flexibility. I like doing both. My personal favorite is yin because being able to just really ease into a posture is helpful for me because it does take a long time for my body to warm up. If you've never done yoga, I highly recommend maybe trying out some different styles and seeing what feels good to you. Now for mobility training, my favorite form of mobility training is actually Pilates. I know in 2022, thanks to our girl Lori Harvey, Pilates had a moment, even though Pilates has been around for a very long time, people have been doing it for a long time, but it is actually a great form of mobility training. That controlled movement that you're doing from different joints, from your core, from different parts of your body is fantastic for mobility, which is why I actually don't think that Pilates on its own is necessarily the most effective workout regimen if you're looking to gain strength, if you're looking to improve cardio. I think you need to supplement Pilates with strength and cardio. However, Pilates is fantastic for improving mobility, particularly in the hips, in the shoulders. It just really helps you move better and become more aware of your posture, which is great for mobility. I'm also going to link the info of my friend Alexis in the show notes. She is a phenomenal trainer who specializes in helping women better understand the mind-muscle connection to improve their mobility and flexibility. She is on Instagram at Stretch with Lex, and she has programs and teaches classes and just shares incredible content that helps us all move better. So if you're interested in mobility and flexibility training, make sure you check her out. So we talked about cardio, we've talked about mobility and flexibility training. The last type of training I want to talk about is actually what I think many of us need to be focusing on more. When it comes to fitness, she is truly that girl, and I'm talking about strength training. 
also called resistance training or weight-bearing exercise, building those muscles, okay? Now stay with me here. Strength training offers unique benefits to women that supports our overall health and longevity in ways that other workouts simply cannot do. Now, I'm not telling you to not do those other things. I'm actually telling you, you should do those other things. But I'm saying if you've only been doing the other things, it's going to be helpful to add strength too. I'm telling you to do it all. I'm sharing the benefits so that you can, you know, make the most informed decision that aligns with your goals. So in thinking about the benefits of strength training, first one, the first benefit I want to talk about is bone health. Now, keeping our bones healthy as women is critical. And you may think, well, that's a problem for older women. It's not a problem for older women because what you do today when you're in your 20s, your 30s, your 40s is what is going to kind of dictate what your bone health is like in your 50s and in your 60s and moving forward. So bone health is really critical to be thinking about while you're young because what you do while you're young will make all the difference in your experience down the line. Strength training is the only real action you can take or thing you can do to keep your bones strong and healthy. Weight-bearing exercise actually puts good stress on your skeletal system, helping your bones maintain their density, okay? As we age, I promise I'm not talking about being old here. I'm saying as early as our 30s, we can start losing some bone density. And once we hit menopause, it goes warp speed with those hormonal changes, which is why osteoporosis is so common once women hit menopausal age. So when our bones are not dense, we can't move as well, we become prone to injury, So yes, get your calcium in, eat eat your leafy greens, it's very important, and add some weight-bearing exercise to your routine. Now, earlier I talked about uh, the impact of pregnancy and how much our blood volume increases during pregnancy and how that causes our hearts to work harder. Going back to pregnancy, when you're pregnant and your body is forming the skeletal system of your child, where do you think the minerals to do that come from? They come from your bones, sis. They come from you, right? So having strong, healthy bones before your little broke besties come and start taking stuff (laughs) from your nutrients is so helpful for your overall health. And strength training has also been shown to lower your risk for complications such as gestational diabetes, preeclampsia, and postpartum depression. Now, like cardio, strength training can also benefit heart health and reduce risk of heart disease, high blood pressure, and stroke. We talked about cardio being a form of aerobic exercise. Strength training is more commonly considered an anaerobic exercise, although some forms of strength training, like circuit training, which we'll talk about later, can be a little bit more aerobic in nature, but generally strength training is considered anaerobic. So if aerobic means in the presence of oxygen, anaerobic means without oxygen. So this is the type of exercise that doesn't make your body use oxygen as the fuel like cardio does. Instead, when you're strength training, the glucose that is stored in your muscles is what's used as the fuel. Anaerobic exercise is critical to include in your routine because it's imperative for maintaining healthy muscle mass. You reach peak muscle mass in your late 20s and by your 30s, you start losing muscle mass. And this process is pretty gradual from your late 
20s until about your late 50s to your 60s, and then it tends to become a lot more noticeable. So strength training is the best thing you can do to slow down this process and maintain as much healthy muscle mass as possible. Remember, diet culture wants to tell us to shrink ourselves. It doesn't matter if it's muscle, it doesn't matter if it's fat, doesn't matter what it is, just shrink. The reality for well-being is we need healthy muscle mass to remain healthy and to remain healthy throughout the lifespan. We're going to get into why having healthy muscle is so important later, but I want to talk a little bit more about the unique benefits of strength training for women before we get into that. So common conditions that many women experience, particularly as we age or after having children, is with incontinence or inability to control our bladder. Now, this is often correlated with pelvic floor issues because pregnancy and birth can really weaken the pelvic floor, and it can also naturally weaken as we age. So strength training, particularly working with pelvic floor therapists, can strengthen that pelvic floor and be incredibly helpful and improve the quality of life for so many women. I have to take a moment to shout out our sponsor, my favorite mindfulness app, Open. So sitting still can be really hard for me. I'm a manifesting generator and a bit of a busybody, but because being still is a bit of a challenge, that's how I know I need to be doing it. I incorporate stillness into my day with Open, an incredible mindfulness studio right in your pocket. So in the morning, I like to start the day with their daily meditations, which are under 10 minutes and really help me focus and get centered for the day. And a few days a week, I love doing the yoga flows and Pilates classes in app because they have incredible teachers. The classes are fun, they're quick, and it just fits my schedule really well. And when I feel like I need a minute to calm down, I reach for one of the quick breathwork classes to help me catch my breath. When I'm on my mindfulness practices, I sleep better, stress less, and I have more energy and focus throughout the day. And as I mentioned, they have classes under 10 minutes, so it's been really easy to stay consistent with. So if you're looking to make a habit out of meditation, breath work, or movement, Open is the app for you. With Open, you can move, breathe, and meditate in community. You get 30 days free when you sign up with my code. So visit withopen.com slash balanced. Again, you can join me on open by going to withopen.com slash balanced for 30 days of free classes. I want to emphasize that strength training is important for us at any age. Now, if you are in your 20s, it's prime time, baby. Your teens too. Your teens and your 20s are going to be the time in your life when building muscle is the easiest that it is ever going to be. That's when you kind of have hormones on your side to help you. So use it by getting started. You're still growing. You're still changing. Your body wants you to put on muscle when you're in your teens and your 20s. And when you can create a base of healthy muscle mass in your 20s, it makes it so much easier to maintain muscle throughout your life. And this is going to result in a more efficient metabolism and ability to maintain muscle as you age. Now, if you're not in your teens or 20s, that's okay. Me too. For them, it's prime time. For us, it's go time, right? In your 20s, it's like very highly recommended that you start strength training to make maintaining muscle easier. In your 30s and up, 30s, 40s, 50s, we need to be doing it. <laughs> and I usually love to be a little more neutral with my language of what well, I suggest or I recommend. And I'm going to say for those of us in our 30s and up, 
we need to be strength training. Millennial bodies, we need muscle expeditiously. Okay, we have entered the time in our lives where we are starting to lose muscle mass just a little bit each year. Again, it's not super noticeable. It happens very gradually, but that compounds over time. But when we can challenge our muscles with weight-bearing exercise, we can slow this process way down. Okay, so with muscle, it is a use it or lose it situation. And now is the perfect time to use it and to keep it. And again, strength training is the best thing we can do to keep it. So the American Heart Association recommends strength training for at least two days per week for 15 to 30 minutes at a time. I think that that is a fantastic place to start if you've maybe never done it or if you are really short on time. Two days a week for 15 to 30 minutes is great. If you can do more, that's also great. I think three to four times per week is ideal for maybe 30 minutes at a time, especially if you're older. So once we reach the point where muscles are past their peak, and I know I sound like a broken record, but we have to be more intentional about keeping them. So let's do a quick recap of the three types of training we've covered. So first we have cardio, which is aerobic exercise. It gets your heart rate up, supports your heart and respiratory health, lower stress. Next, we talked about mobility and flexibility training, which supports healthy joints and range of motion. And lastly, we have strength training, which helps build skeletal muscle, strengthens bones, and reduces risk of injury. Now, strength training and skeletal muscle have a lot more benefits that we're going to talk about later in the episode, along with tips for getting started, but I wanted to summarize what a healthy movement routine could look like. And if you don't have a good relationship or history with exercise because you associate it with shrinking or dieting or punishment, first off, I want to just send you like a virtual hug through the phone, right? Soldier boy wanted to kiss you through the phone. I just want to hug you through the phone or computer or wherever you're listening to this. And I really want to encourage you to start focusing on the benefits we're talking about here instead. What we've been conditioned to believe takes a long time to work through and to decondition. And as you work through that process of deconditioning and unlearning, I really want you to focus on the benefits for your overall health and longevity, right? Healthy heart, strong bones, reducing risks of pregnancy complications, core strength, pelvic floor strength. These are all incredible, empowering goals to focus on instead, and you deserve it. You deserve a strong heart. You deserve strong bones. You deserve longevity. You deserve to have a long life full of vitality. You deserve all of those things. So when I'm looking at putting these three types of training together, I like to think of it as like a fitness pyramid. So at the bottom of the pyramid or at our base, we have cardio, which can include general movements such as walking uh, or even higher intensity movement if that speaks to you. If you like hit high intensity interval training, that's cool. I think I did enough of that in my 20s where I'm personally over it. Walking and hiking are all the cardio that I personally do these days and I love it. It works well for me. Uh, But that's going to be your base. In the middle of the pyramid, we have strength training, which doesn't necessarily need to be done as often as cardio in order to give your muscles time to rest and recover. And then at the top of the pyramid, 
going three for three, (laughs) the dessert of your fitness routine, we have mobility and flexibility training, which can be done on their own. They can be done during your warmups and cool downs for other workouts. Really, it's whatever works best for your body and your schedule. So we're going to pause here and take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk more about why healthy muscle mass is so important for our health. So you may have heard me talk about muscle for the last however many minutes, and you may be feeling like, really, I don't want to bulk up. Is that too masculine? But remember what I said at the beginning, this is a neutral space. Second, muscles are not a masculine thing. Muscles are a living mammal thing. All living mammals have muscles. You have muscles because you need them to survive. And the stronger those muscles are, often the better off you will be. As women, we're taught to fear muscle in a lot of ways, which goes hand in hand with diet culture and that desire to shrink ourselves. When we think about muscle or weightlifting, we may immediately think of images of very like buff bodybuilders with lots of muscle mass, but these images are often without context. Bobby the bodybuilder is not strength training for 30 minutes, three times a week, which is what I'm recommending for most of us. Bobby, the bodybuilder is spending hours a day in the gym, manipulating his diet, ruining his metabolism and doing the absolute most to look like that. Most of us, most people in general, regardless of gender, are not going to put on that level of muscle with a moderate movement routine. And even if you are someone who's a little bit more muscular, that's cool. That's fine. That's not a problem. That's not a bad thing. We have been conditioned to have these ideas of what looks good and what doesn't that are not at all rooted in truth. They're not at all rooted in fact. It's not at all rooted in health. Okay, so a bodybuilder physique is not natural for anyone of any gender, and people who present that way do a ton of work and manipulation of their bodies to achieve that look and size. And for most of us, regular people with regular jobs, regular schedules, regular diets, we're not going to build that much muscle, especially as women, considering that our more dominant hormones are estrogen and progesterone. Testosterone is what contributes to muscle growth and size. And we do have testosterone. We need testosterone, but we have far lower amounts. And so our bodies tend to respond differently to exercise because of these hormonal differences. That could also be why if you're maybe embarking on a program, you know, with a partner or with a a male friend and he's getting really different results or it's happening on a way different timeline, it's because our hormones are totally different. So our bodies respond differently. The takeaway here is that muscle is your friend and having lean, healthy, skeletal muscle is critical for longevity. Okay. And let's talk about why that is and what happens when we have healthy muscle. So first of all, muscle mass is essential for having a healthy metabolism. Now there's a lot of misconceptions about metabolism, essentially that it's just like one process in our bodies that it's either fast or slow. Like we all have some little metabolic hamster on a wheel and some of our hamsters are fast and some of them aren't. And that's not really how it works. Your metabolism is actually comprised of a series of processes and systems within the body that all contribute to how we convert food and drink 
to energy. So when we talk about metabolism, we're often actually talking about our basal metabolic rate, often called BMR, which is essentially how many calories your body uses to support your daily activities and keep you alive. Now, the three main factors that impact your basal metabolic rate are your age, gender, and body composition. Now, I want to underline, highlight, exclamation point, body composition here. So body composition looks at how much of your body mass is composed of fat versus muscle versus bone. So stick with me here. Generally, the more muscle you have, the higher your basal metabolic rate is. That's because the more muscle we tend to have on our bodies, the more calories our bodies need to burn to continue with everyday activities. So earlier when I said that gender and age also influence your basal metabolic rate, it's actually all related here. Men naturally tend to have more muscle mass because they have higher testosterone levels. So their basal metabolic rate tends to be higher. And as we mentioned earlier, as we age, we lose lean muscle mass, which also contributes to lower basal metabolic rate. So the lower metabolic rate we as we age, actually has a lot more to do with a loss of muscle mass than it does just age itself, right? Our bodies don't necessarily have a clock that just say, oh, time for the metabolism to shut down. All of these things tend to be very gradual unless there is a health condition that is causing changes. That That is the one exception. But for people who don't have a health condition that is leading to these changes, it often tends to be a really gradual process that has more to do with the loss of muscle mass than it does age alone. So a lot of people believe as we get older, our metabolisms just slow down. And while that's not fully false, it's also not fully true because it doesn't happen as quickly or as drastically as we think. So after our 20s, our metabolic rate slows by about 2% per decade. That's actually pretty small. And we don't start seeing higher changes in the slowdown of our metabolic rate until we reach our 60s. Now, it's important to note, again, that hormonal changes and some health conditions can absolutely impact this. So menopause or a condition such as PCOS or thyroid conditions or medications we take can also influence our metabolic rate. But a lot of age-related metabolic changes in otherwise healthy people are usually due to a lack of muscle mass and generally being less active as we age. So the more muscle we have, the higher our basal metabolic rate tends to be, and building and maintaining as much muscle mass as possible is needed for maintaining our basal metabolic rate, particularly as we age. In addition to keeping your metabolism healthy, healthy muscle built and maintained through strength training is also important for your hormonal health and overcoming insulin resistance. So insulin resistance is associated with numerous conditions, including type 2 diabetes, forms of PCOS, Alzheimer's, and exercise has been proven to reduce insulin resistance to prevent its progression to type 2 diabetes. And strength training in particular is helpful because it supports healthy muscle mass, and the more healthy muscle mass we take, uh, the higher our glucose uptake is, which helps us be more insulin sensitive. Now, talking more about hormones, strength training also supports healthy sex hormones. Hormone imbalance is very common because there's so much in our daily lives that impact our hormonal health, stress, anxiety, 
food, the environment, personal care products, fragrance, these are all things that can impact our hormonal balance. So if we don't have the right amount of estrogen or testosterone, we can quickly get out of balance and it can impact us in a number of ways. And that can show up in our menstrual cycles, our skin health, our hair health, our sex drive, and can be associated with other health problems down the road. And with adequate strength training and the key word here, an adequate rest and recovery, it can help our bodies produce adequate amounts of these key hormones in balance. It becomes especially important as we approach and experience menopause. That is a very drastic hormonal shift. Now, depending on how old you are, that may feel really far away, but life comes at you fast. And if you're in your 30s entering your 40s, it's around the corner and it's something that we really need to be thinking about. So any steps we can take to keep our hormones as healthy as possible now is really going to help us later. So I think so much about acts of kindness to my future self. And if I can do something like exercise, lift weights, build muscle, which benefit me now and makes these big life-changing experiences later on smoother and easier and less disruptive, I think it's worth prioritizing. Now, the biggest benefit of all, in my opinion, is how having healthy muscle increases your overall chances of longevity, right? And decreases your chances of mortality. A 2014 study by the American Journal of Medicine found that higher muscle mass in aging adults increased survivability of chronic illness compared to those with lower muscle mass. The benefits of healthy muscle built and maintained through strength training are tenfold, and I really hope this encourages you to maybe think of muscle a little bit differently. Muscle is your friend. It is something we need as living mammals. It is the key to longevity. And while I'm certainly not campaigning for like the strong black woman stereotype in terms of the emotional labor we're often expected to carry, I'm very much a proponent of us all gaining physical strength. And I think it's something that we should all aspire to have because it's so important for our health. So we're going to take another quick break. And when we come back, I'm going to talk about why strength training without adequate protein consumption and adequate rest is essentially hustling backwards. And I'm going to give you some tips on how to begin or jump back into your strength training journey. Welcome back. So today we're talking about fitness, why strength training is your friend, and why muscle building is nothing to fear. We've reached the home stretch of the episode, and I want to finish with some tactical tips. First, talking about protein. Now, I am not a registered dietitian, and I am not in a position to give specific nutrition advice, but instead, I just want to share a cautionary tale of what happens when you strength train, but don't fuel your muscles properly with nutrition and rest, sharing mistakes that I've made before. So my first exposure to strength training was in college. My senior year, I started getting into fitness. I wanted to do more than cardio, so I joined my local LA Fitness with a few of my girlfriends because we were just very over the gym at our school, and we started going to this class called Body Works Plus Abs. I haven't been to LA Fitness in over a decade, so maybe they still have this class. I don't know. But essentially, it was a group workout class primarily focused on circuit training using dumbbells. And listen, that class used to get me. I was getting body worked, all right. It was my first real exposure to using dumbbells that were more than like three to five pounds. And I learned a ton just about basic movements. 
after college, I really wanted to get more serious about strength training. One, because I started learning more about the benefits, many of which we talked about today. And two, when I would go to the gym and I would see people who were really about that life, they were in the weight room. I remember at the 24-hour fitness I used to go to, <laughs> upgrade from LA Fitness. No, they're, I think they're pretty much the same. There was this other young woman there who's probably about my age, and she was just a badass. She was just dope. She was strong. She was doing all of this athletic stuff. I just thought that she was so cool and I wanted to be like her, but I did not know how to get like her. <laughs> but I was like, okay, I, I don't necessarily want to just be on the elliptical. I want to be over there doing what she's doing and I want to get like that. So I started teaching myself how to lift. I bought a few books to learn the main movements. I watched tutorials on YouTube and started programming my own workouts. And about a year after that, I got certified as a personal trainer and started teaching fitness classes. Now, when I started teaching fitness classes, I really started hustling backwards if you listen to my episode on side hustles, I talk more in detail about that time in my life and just how like stupid my schedule was. It was just stupid. What I didn't share was how hard I was going at my own workouts, like ovaries to the wall, five to six days a week, how I wasn't eating nearly enough food. I was eating really clean, but like not nearly enough. I was exhausted. I was cranky. I was hungry. I wasn't sleeping enough. I wasn't getting enough rest days. And I just hit a major wall and my strength gains just were not gaining. I started experiencing diminishing returns. I became very inflamed. I was very just puffy. I was not getting stronger. And it's because I wasn't eating enough food in general, especially protein. And I definitely wasn't getting enough rest. So when we're strength training, we're essentially breaking down the muscle by exposing it to resistance, right? When we do resistance training, we're creating tiny tears, microscopic tears in our muscle to kind of move against that resistance and complete the movement. And when we feed our muscles properly, so eating enough food to fuel our activities and particularly consuming enough protein, our body breaks protein down into amino acids and amino acids become the building block for that muscle. So when you eat the protein, your body breaks it down to amino acids. The amino acids go to your muscles and help kind of repair and rebuild the muscle. Now, the other thing, in addition to amino acids that are needed to rebuild those muscles is rest, days off from working out, sleep, okay? That is when our muscles repair those tears, and when they repair, they grow back stronger. But if we lift and we hustle and we work and we don't eat enough and we don't eat enough proteins, we aren't getting those amino acids to repair our muscles, nor do we get enough downtime so that the muscles can actually do the repairing, it's not giving what it needs to give. So those benefits we talked about earlier, we're actually not getting them. I mean, we're probably getting our heart rate up a little bit, which is cool, but we're not building the strength, which is the whole point. So again, not a registered dietitian, and how much protein you need is going to depend on your body, your goals, your health history, but I am going to encourage you to consume a source of complete protein with every meal to give your muscles the best chance they can get at recovery. So I personally have been focusing on getting protein in at breakfast, lunch, dinner, and snacks. And I also work out about half as much as I did almost a decade ago. And despite being in my 30s, 
not early 20s and working out less, I feel so much better. I'm getting better results. I am stronger. I am more athletic. And it's because I'm actually fueling my body and giving it proper rest. So some of my favorite ways to get protein include having a a source of protein in my smoothies. I actually love Ritual Protein Powder for a complete plant-based protein. It tastes really good. It has great ingredients and it doesn't hurt my stomach or make me bloat like many others. Uh, Yogurt bowls for breakfast are also a favorite. I love taking plain Greek yogurt, adding my own vanilla extract to it, topping it with seeds, fruit, and granola. So good. Sometimes I might add uh, some collagen peptides to it just to kind of amp up the protein a little bit. Now, this is controversial, but I'm also a cottage cheese fan. Cottage cheese slander is not tolerated on any balanced black girl platform, okay? (laughs) I know it's controversial. If you don't like it, that's okay. That's okay. But I will say it's an incredible source of protein. So I love having a bowl of it with fruit as a snack or uh, sometimes putting it on avocado toast to really increase protein there. So for snacks, I really like having Chomps beef sticks, which are high quality. Uh, They have great ingredients. Back in the day, I used to be a protein bar junkie and I just think protein bars are kind of nasty. I don't like them anymore. I think I overdid it. They used to hurt my stomach. I just, I really struggled to find a protein bar that I genuinely like. If you know of some good ones, maybe give me some recommendations. I would love, I would happily recommend one if I liked it, but I just feel like protein bars are so unsatisfying. And even if you eat a bar that has 20 grams of protein in it, it just feels so fake that I never, I don't feel full. I don't know. So if you like any good protein bars, let me know and I'll check it out and report back my thoughts. For plant-based folks, beans and legumes are great. So things like beans, lentils, as they're as are minimally processed fermented forms of soy like tempeh uh, or organic tofu. I previously was plant-based and I personally liked eating things like that more so than the fake meats. I think fake meat kind of trip me out. I just felt like if I was going to eat something meat-like, I would rather eat the real thing, but everybody can do their own thing. Uh, as I said, I'm not currently plant-based, though I have been in the past. Obviously, I was just talking about chomps and cheese and yogurt, but a lot of my meals also include chicken, ground turkey, and seafood. And I will occasionally do grass-fed beef, particularly around my period for iron, although it's not my favorite. Like I personally would rather eat chicken or turkey just from like a taste and texture perspective, but again, do you. So those are some of my favorite ways to get protein in. I usually post my weekly grocery hauls on my Instagram stories or on TikTok. You can find me on both platforms at Balance Less so you can see what's in my cart and what I'm having from week to week. Now, in addition to nutrition, I mentioned rest. What do I mean by rest? I mean, don't work the same muscles in the same way multiple days in a row. For example, if you do an upper body strength workout and your biceps and your shoulders got just a good challenge, I would give it 48 hours at least before you work those same body parts again to give your body time to repair those muscles. So during that time, you can stay hydrated, continue eating. If you are feeling energized enough to work out, maybe switch to do some lower body moves the next day and then come back to upper body a few days later. Again, the magic happens during rest. We can't actually get stronger if we don't rest. Uh, Also, your sleep matters. So a minimum minimum of six hours of high quality sleep, ideally more. I know that's hard. Uh, It helps so much. And new parents, that just may not be a thing right now, but 
that season is temporary, that too shall pass. Just do the best you can. I personally am an aura ring girly, so I love using my aura ring to trap my sleep quality and quantity, and I'm always looking for ways to improve my sleep. So if I notice I'm feeling really run down and my aura ring recommends I focus on recovery, then I usually don't go as hard or as heavy on those days and I'll focus on other parts of the workout pyramid. So I'll go for a walk or I'll do yoga or Pilates. So you may be thinking, Les, this all sounds all well and good, but either I don't go to the gym or I don't know what to do or how to get started. I hear you. The best thing to do would be to work with either a trainer or uh, someone in your area or someone online who can create a plan for you and assess you and modify a plan for you and work with you on your goals. If that's not accessible right now, the next best thing would be to either find an app or a program you can follow that maps workouts out for you and be very mindful and listen to your body and modify things for yourself as needed. Because I have so much experience in fitness, I like working out with apps. Uh, The Peloton app has some fantastic strength workouts you can follow with great music. There's also an app called Uplift that I will link in the show notes created by a woman named Jibby, who is a fantastic trainer and fitness creator. It's a black woman-owned workout app with programs and strength tutorials. She also just creates really great content around working out and strength training. So I will link her information in the show notes. Back in the day, I also really used to love the Nike Training Club app, which is free, has fantastic body weight and low equipment workouts that are great for all levels and those who work out from home. And I also really like the Alive app by Whitney Simmons. She's a YouTuber, but I really like her programming style. It's just very similar to how I program workouts and how I like to train, and it's very easy to follow. So those are all you know great resources if you're unable to work one-on-one with a trainer. And I We'll link those all in the show notes. I also want to talk about strength training vocabulary and what some common terms related to strength training mean so that when you log onto an app or take a class or try a workout, you know what they're telling you to do. <laughs> so let's review some common strength training terms. The first is reps, which is short for repetitions. This is referring to how many times you complete an exercise. So if a workout says 10 reps of push-ups, that means you do 10 push-ups. If it says, you know, do three sets of 10 reps of push-ups, that means you do 10 push-ups three times. The next term is a straight set. A straight set means you complete multiple sets of one exercise with rest in between. So the example I just stated, you know, three sets of 10 push-ups. If you were to do this as a straight set, it could look like doing 10 push-ups, then resting for 60 seconds, then doing another 10 push-ups, then resting for another 60 seconds, then doing one final set of 10 push-ups before moving on to the next exercise in your workout. So that is a straight set. Straight sets are really great for just building base strength as you are getting started in your strength training journey, improving form, uh, or if you're looking for hypertrophy, which is muscle growth. Next is superset. So as we said, a straight set is when you focus on just one exercise and a superset is when you do two exercises, ideally of opposing muscle groups back to back before taking a rest. So let's say you're doing an upper body workout that calls for 
10 bicep curls and 10 tricep extensions as a superset. So you would do 10 bicep curls and then you would immediately do 10 tricep extensions and then you would rest after you complete both exercises. And then you would repeat that for as many sets as needed or as indicated by your workout. So this is going to get your heart rate up just a little bit more than straight sets because you're doing a bit more work in between periods of rest. Now, as I mentioned, I really like doing opposing muscle groups just so that I don't overtrain. So the example I gave with your biceps uh, being the muscle on the front of your upper arm and your triceps being the muscles on the back of your upper arm is an example of working opposing muscle groups. And working opposing muscle groups is important because that just builds balance in the body. You want the front and the back of the body to be strong so that neither side needs to compensate, leading to injury. So the next term is a circuit. A circuit means you're doing a group of exercises back to back before taking a rest. So circuits tend to be a bit more high intensity and can be kind of a hybrid of strength and cardio because they tend to get your heart rate up pretty quickly because you're not having periods of rest. The next term is failure, which sounds intense, but is actually a good thing. When you work a muscle to failure, that means that you have fully exhausted it. That means you can't do one more squat or push up or curl or whatever. The muscle has given all it has to give and you have to take a break and rest before doing that movement again. But when I say failure, I don't mean like absolute you can't move. I mean, you're unable to continue completing the exercise with good form. Next, we have drop set. So a drop set is a form of training that helps you work your muscle past failure. So let's say you're doing bicep curls with 15 pound dumbbells. And if you were to do a drop set, you would perform bicep curls with those 15 pound dumbbells till failure or until you can't anymore, until you're noticing your form is starting to get a little shaky. Then you would immediately grab lighter weights, like maybe 12 pounds or 10 pounds, and you would continue doing the movement, which should be doable with lighter weights. And then you would do that till failure. So drop set means dropping the weight so that you can continue the exercise. The last term is AMRAP, A-M-R-A-P, which stands for as many rounds or as many reps as possible. And this can be a form of circuit training. So in a workout, this could look like setting a 10 minute timer and then going through as many rounds of a circuit as you can in that 10 minutes and resting as needed, or maybe setting a one minute timer and doing as many kettlebell swing reps as you can in that minute. So as many reps or rounds as possible. So those are some of the main terms I recommend understanding that will really help you decode your strength workouts and understand what you're being asked to do. Now I want to talk about major movements to focus on when strength training. Most strength workouts are centered around core movements that can be done various ways. But understanding these movements and even mastering body weight variations is key to building base strength. So you can use this formula to build a foolproof, full body strength workout. So the first type of movement is a push. This is a movement that focuses on pushing motions to target essentially the front of your body. So common pushes include push-ups or a shoulder press or a chest press, basically any movement where you are pushing resistance away from you. 
The second movement is a pull. We want a balanced body, so we got to work the front and the back. So if we're pushing, we got to be pulling. And pulls focus on the back of the body. So common pulls include any variation of a row, a pull-up, or a chin-up. It is where you are pulling against resistance, either pulling weights against resistance or pulling your own body weight against resistance. The third movement is a squat. Now you're probably familiar with a squat. It is a foundational movement. Like I said, babies do it all the time. They do it perfectly. We sit the butt back while keeping the chest upright and move against resistance as we stand back up. That's basically what's happening when we squat. And there's different variations, but the core muscles that the squat works are your glutes, your quads, and your core. Now we all squat every day. I mean, sitting on the toilet is like a prime example of a squat, but I absolutely recommend mastering and getting comfortable with a body weight squat before adding weight and being extra careful and mindful if you have any hip or knee injuries. You really want to make sure you have good alignment with the squat and that you're listening to your body as you learn how to progress your squat. The fourth movement is a lunge. Again, you're probably familiar with this. Lunges work the lower body. Depending on the variation, they can target the quads, the the glutes, the hip abductors, which is like the outer thigh, the hip adductors, which is the inner thigh. There are different variations, but the standard lunge is a foundational movement. The fifth movement is a hip hinge. So a hip hinge is not to be confused with a squat because we don't necessarily need to keep our chest upright while hinging the hip. A hinge typically works the back of the body, and common hinges include deadlifts, glute bridges, and hip thrusts, right? So think of a hip hinge as a bend and snap. Shout out to Legally Blonde. You're bending at the hips while keeping a neutral spine, then using the muscles on the back of your body to extend the hips. That is a hip hinge. And then the fifth movement is a plank. This one is pretty self-explanatory as many of us are familiar with planks. There are different variations, uh, but essentially a plank is holding yourself in a position either on your forearms or on your hands, keeping a neutral spine that can be done on the toes or on the knees. And planks are considered a time under tension exercise, which means unlike a lot of other exercises that we mentioned that are more difficult depending on how heavy you go, it means that Planks tend to be harder for the longer you hold the position. Planks are really great for strengthening your core, including your abs, your lower back, and your shoulders. And some variations like side planks also strengthen the obliques, which is like the sides of the body. So if you're trying to do a well-rounded full body strength workout, you can do some form of push, pull, squat, lunge, hip, hinge, and plank, (laughs) Uh, and you're going to have your major muscle groups covered. So I like to focus more on lower body when training because those are some of the largest muscle groups in the body that account for most of our muscle mass, and having a strong lower body is correlated with better health outcomes and a healthier metabolism. So I sometimes tend to add you know, a few more lower body exercises into full body workouts um, just to really build up that lower body strength. All right, friend, that was a jam-packed episode, and it's one that I absolutely recommend coming back to and listening to maybe a few times, but it's my hope that it inspired you to reframe how you view exercise. If you're participating in the Reframing the Reset Challenge, our goal for this week is to move our bodies three times sometime this week. That can be in any way. It could be a walk. It could be following a YouTube video. It could be taking a class. But our goal is to move our body, get our heart rates pumping a little bit, and maybe challenge your muscles a little bit three times this week. 
So join Club Balanced, our community on Geneva, and share your workout check-in with us there so that we can cheer you on and we can also share workout tips with one another. If you find a good app, if you find a good workout, if you learn something new, share it with the community because we want to know. So head to the show notes for more information about today's episode, including sources cited and offers from our sponsors. And don't sleep on our sponsors. We get to share some amazing offers from incredible brands who offer generous discounts. And when you use our links and codes, that lets brands know that you found them through Balance Black Girl. So next week, we're continuing Reframing the Reset by talking about reframing our relationship with alcohol and exploring sober curiosity. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll talk to you next week. Thank you.